McClung comes up, I will again thank him because he's doing what would be much more difficult for me to do in such a short time. So I am thankful for you to be here today and to give us the message. And we're thankful for your many years of service in giving messages to God's people. So we thank you for being here and providing us the message this day. Turn it over to you. Thank you, Baxter. God does not make mistakes. You know that as well. Man certainly makes mistakes. It's possible that man erred in some ways. But then again, I believe the scripture to be the inerrant, infallible word of God. So there has to be more there. Add to the puzzle the way heart is used in everyday conversation. We, we talk about doing things half-heartedly, meaning with half of our intent or half of our energy. Meaning with conviction or half-heartedly, meaning without full commitment in an action. We speak of giving our heart to the one we love. None of us meant the muscle in our chest when we said these things. And why does the Bible clearly indicate the heart as the center of our being in over 700 verses? In the Older and Newer Testaments, the answer may surprise you. In the last 25 years... Scientists and doctors have made discoveries concerning the human heart which have significantly changed medical understanding of this organ. A a book that was published in 1998 called The Heart's Code, C-O-D-E, The Heart's Code. Consulting clinical psychologist Paul Persall makes a case, and notice this, the heart is a vault of emotional memories and energy patterns that make us who we are as individuals. An article in the American Journal of Cardiology states, quote, the heart's electrical signals not only shape the way the brain thinks about certain kinds of events, but the heart itself may be able to remember emotion-charged experiences. The heart remembers Puts things in a bit of a different perspective. In a copyright uh, magazine article edited, or excuse me, entitled, A Mind of Its Own, author Bennett Davis writes, Some researchers suggest there's evidence that the spirit physically resides in the heart. By now you may at least be suspecting that science is finally catching up a little with the Bible. The heart retains thoughts and emotions in and of itself. The evidence is more compelling than what I've told you yet. Consider these examples. Heart transplant patients have reported having memories, tastes, and attitudes belonging to their new heart's former owners. And I'm going to give you just a few examples. This will give you chills. A woman whose donor had been shot in the back began complaining of shooting pains in her back after her operation. Possibly coincident. A 52-year-old man loved classical music. This will scare some of you if you had a heart uh, transplant. But after being given the heart of a teenage boy, suddenly found he loved rock music. (laughs) You have to understand that none of these patients had any idea whatsoever about the donor. They knew nothing about the donor at all. 
After a young man awoke from the surgery that had planted a new heart in his chest, he told his mother that, quote, everything is copacetic. She'd never heard her son use that word, but later learned that the donor and his wife used it to reassure each other after they had argued. An eight-year-old girl who was given the heart of a murdered child after surgery, the girl began having nightmares. She described the circumstances of her donor's death and even the killer in such detail that the police were able to capture him and a jury convicted him of the crime. The heart. The heart. Quote, heart transplantation is not simply a question of replacing an organ wrote Dr. Benjamin Bunzel of Vienna's University Hospital in a 1992 study linking heart transplants to personality changes. The heart is a source of love, emotions, and focus of personality traits. Another uh, reference, after interviewing dozens of transplant patients, nurses, and doctors, Clinical psychologist Paul Persall has come to believe that the heart may well be, quote, the center of our cellular universe holding together energy in the shape of a soul. This organ, he says, may define the essential character of our whole existence. Science may be taking the first tentative steps to understanding the energy of the human spirit and the coded information that is the human soul. The heart being the place the soul resides. More articles and books reached the conclusion that as the song says, my heart has a mind of its own. Confirmation of how the inerrant, infallible word of God, as we suspected, was right all along. How then, and here's the question, does this information apply to us? Can the heart be relied upon? Every Hallmark Channel movie has consistently implied, just trust your heart and everything will be fine. Well, Hallmark's wrong. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? A truth depressing but realistic. We are born sinners from Adam. Think about being a sinner from this perspective. Apple trees are not apple trees because they bear apples. They bear apples because they are apple trees. I want to say that one more time. Apple trees are not apple trees because they bear apples. They bear apples because they are apple trees. Sinners are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners and because our hearts are wicked. Born into sin, as David said. Proverbs 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from sin. The editorial answer is no one. The truth gets worse before it gets better. Our heart tells our mouth what to say according to Matthew 12, 4b. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you say something and then immediately wondered where in the world did that come from, it came straight from your heart, good or bad. The unconverted heart, the reprobate heart, the heart of the lost man or woman, boy or girl, exalts itself as being the final authority. 
Listen again to verse 32. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. That scribe considered himself the authority on whether or not Jesus of Nazareth, the only begotten Son of God, was telling the truth. Because his heart told him he was right. We have an inherent problem since the heart is the center of who we are. And since God's word is clear that we cannot make our heart clean. And since what we say and think originates from within the heart, what hope do we have? Must we remain ashamed before God, forever separated from God by our sinful hearts, never knowing the peace that those same hearts suspect must be possible between God and man. Can there be a permanent cure for our shame? If you're taking notes, write down Romans 10. Romans 10 verses 9 through 11. Because this provides us an answer. The word, the word of God, is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart... That is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed, shall not be ashamed. May I step aside to say that this morning. Many of us enter even into our older age, and I can speak from that perspective, with shame that has been on us all our life. Can I tell you this morning, take that shame to the foot of the cross. Christ has covered your shame. Many professing church members deny their own statement of faith by their actions and words because although they agreed with God in their mind, no transformation took place in their hearts. I know that for a fact. I lived there myself for many years, for over half my life. And I can testify that I had head knowledge, but I did not have heart knowledge of Jesus Christ. Head knowledge of Christ without heart knowledge cannot save. No new creation in Christ, no Holy Spirit empowered life. And yet Jesus said in Matthew fifteen eight. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. A mind exposed to truth directing an unredeemed mouth not led by a new heart. Genuine conversion must include a new heart. Or it is not conversion, simply the mental affirmation of Christian doctrine, which is about 18 inches away from peace with God. Listen to what does God does in the hearts of those that He calls to Himself by His Spirit, by His Word. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. What a promise of God! I was reading a devotion this morning, and it brought back to my mind the importance of the difference of saying. I believe in God and saying, I believe God. I believe his word to be true. In my darkest hour, I will look to his word 
And I will hide his word in my heart that I sin not against him. I will trust in him when he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When I am alone and lonely, I know that I have God with me. Not because of any good thing that I have done, but because of the cross of Jesus Christ and his shed blood, I have the promises of God, which are yea and amen, and so do you. God does not lie. He is not a man. The psalmist echoes this truth. Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A new heart and a new spirit of the package. In fact, the Hebrew word translated there as spirit, used in both of these verses, means smell. Now stay with me. It means smell. So what, what, is, what, is, what is the psalmist saying when he says, I will have a new heart and a new smell. The words, deeds, and thoughts of an unconverted soul before holy God is the musty odor of those dead in trespasses and sins, and yet words, deeds, and thoughts made alive by grace through faith in Christ come from a heart right with God and are a sweet-smelling sacrifice before the Lord. Only God can create a new heart within you and at the same time renew a right spirit within you as well. And when the heart is renewed, cleansed, and recreated by God, then we are equipped to obey in proper order what Jesus said was the greatest commandment of all as recorded in Mark 12. And we will conclude with what we began with. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these, and that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that your word is true. Help us to understand when we read your word and we don't comprehend the passage that we are reading that the, the, the problem lies not in your word but in us not yet having the revelation of your spirit of that word. Father, your word is true. You wrote it through the hand of man, and we know that. And we see the personalities of those that you wrote through evidenced in the way they wrote. And yet we know that your word continues and it will not fail. Heavenly Father, plant your word in our hearts, in our hearts, and create in each of us through Christ Jesus a new heart, a new mind, a new soul new spirit. Refresh us that we be new creations in Christ Jesus. In him alone do we trust. And we pray these things in his holy name. Amen.